it's a great big scam Pick your mind up and money where your soul will be down Down to a place where he makes it down last Nothing can save you, not even cold cash Extortion, abortion, racism too You can lay your kid and tell me what we're gonna do Don't go for the wicked, don't go for the wicked Don't go for the wicked, it's a great big scam Pick your mind up and money or your soul will be down Down to a place where emotion don't last Nothing can save you, not even cold cash Extortion, abortion, racism too You can let your kid and tell me what we're gonna do Don't go for the wicked. Good morning, good morning, world. This is Baba Yahshua, Dr. Israel, coming to you, BBS Radio, in the name of the one true God, the God of Israel, whose name is so holy we dare not try to articulate that four-letter consonant sequence. We just say Hashem. That is the name that is above all the names and that every name is an impulse of because that name is the ultimate reality. So I greet you in that name this morning and pray that Hashem bless you and your family and your children and your businesses and your endeavor with all of the blessings of the Torah to enlighten your mind, to let you know that wherever you are is where you are supposed to be because we are here to learn life lessons. That lessons, those lessons are collectively called tikkun. The soul incarnates into this physical manifest reality for a correction so that we can become equivalent to Hashem, the ultimate reality, which we are but a singular impulse and manifestation of in time. So I greet you this morning in his holy name. This program is entitled Shema, which means to hear. To hear what? To hear the truth. What is the truth? The truth is that God is one. The truth is that reality is one. The truth is that reality is simply an expression of the G-O-D, of God. God is all and all is God. We are subjective individualized aspects of that, having an evolutionary odyssey toward becoming more unified with that. We are in a state of disunity, and the goal of evolution is to become unified with the ultimate reality, the ultimate reality. So we're marching toward that reality. The consciousness of yourself is in a progressive odyssey toward the ultimate reality. So may Hashem bless us and keep us with the revelation of Deuteronomy 6.4. We want to begin there because these are the profound words that Hashem has given us to, to assimilate himself. By virtue of articulating these words in Hebrew, the transcendent becomes imminent. The ultimate reality then becomes manifest in terms of in, into our physiology because we are temporal manifestation of Hashem. 
So we want to say these holy words from Deuteronomy 6.4. The Shema is a three-paragraph, but it's incumbent upon us to say at least one. And we'll say two here this morning. We'll read for you very quickly as time is of the essence on our program. El Melech Amen. I'll read in Hebrew first and then interpret it for you. Shema Yisrael Hashem Eloheinu Hashem Echad. Hear, O Israel, Hashem our God, Hashem is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Via hafta et Hashem, Eloheka, bekal lavaveka, uvakal nafsheka, uvakal muadeka. You shall love Hashem your God with all your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your resources. Vayahu, ha'adevarim elei asher anoki mitzaveka hayom, el lavaveka visenatam. These matters. These matters that I shared with you should be uh, upon your heart. Teach them thoroughly to your children. Al Mazuzot Beyeteka Uvesa Arieka. Hallelujah. That is, you should teach these matters to your children. Speak of them when you sit in your home, when you walk on your way, when you lie down, when you arise. Bind them as a sign upon your arm. Let them be tefillin between your eyes and write them on the doorposts of your home and upon your gates. That is, as the children of Israel. Our primary preoccupation is God. We are God conscious. We think of God. We talk of God. We don't talk about the football game. We don't talk about vulgarity and common things. We talk about the Torah. We talk about God. We talk about our odyssey as a collective community of people. Israel, the collective community of Israel who have been wandering through the earth plane 2,000 years plus. So that's a very beautiful, I always, if I don't make any other point, I encourage those of you who have affinity with me because this broadcast is to those who are the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Those who, like myself, were born under a fictitious name called Negro Colored, Negro Coon, Nigger, and were Christianized, baptized in the name of Jesus, and were subsequently mistreated and relegated to a second-class status of life, and we had to assimilate that and had to go to church. And that, But that is over now. And that's why I have come up to tell you that a new dispensation now is, is arising. That is, this is the redemptive period, the period that has been prophesied in the Torah, uh, in the Tanakh, because when we say Torah, I'm only talking about the first five books. When I say Tanakh, I'm talking about all of the books that comprise the Jewish Bible, that is the writings of the prophets and the writings the writings themselves, Tehillim, and plus five books. So these writings, we have see messianic promises that have not been fulfilled. So now someone like myself and thousands of others are being awakened to our authentic identity. That is that you are a son of God. You have a 
moral and ethical obligation to be holy. You have an obligation to study the Torah. God himself now is going to awaken you to this reality, and then he's going to give you his language. His language is Lashan HaKodesh, not conversational Hebrew, but the language of the Torah, because he has given us at Mount Sinai the most precious gift that any human could have, which is his divinity, his light, his light wrapped in the form of letters and stories. Studying the Torah is a great blessing. It's a spiritual endeavor. Reading the sacred Hebrew letters with the nikudot, that is the vowels, uh, uh, and because you get consonants, the 22 sacred consonants, starting with the Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, He, Vau, Zayin, Ket, Tet, Yud, Kaf, Lamid, Mim, Nun, Samak, Ayin, Pei, Zadi, Kuf, Rish, and Tav. And then we have our five final, which is called Sofit, Kuf, Sofit, Mim, Sofit, Nun, Sofit, Pei, Sofit, Zadi, Sofit. These letters are divine impulses of light that Hashem has given us. And this is the means by which we assimilate. But you're Israel, because Israel said, yes, we want your word and we will be your kings and priests. And we were then sent into the exiles. and We became the niggers of the world, the fornicators of the world, the people who are just pimps and do nothing. Because that's what Christianity shaped us in that way. The whole time we were being made niggers. White people were in the church singing, oh, how they loved Jesus and that Jesus was their savior. And yet Jesus did nothing for us. They hung us while saying they loved Jesus. They castrated us while they say they love Jesus. And the same thing, quite frankly, is happening contemporaneously. We see right now. This is why I say I open up my, my program with my song, which I composed many years ago when I knew then. As a young man, that to be nefarious was antithetical to evolution. You can't grow. You can't be with God and be nefarious. So to be with God, I have to be kadosh. That's a holy word for you. It means holy in Hebrew, kadosh. We are kadosh. We are called to be kadosh and not nefarious. So I opened up my program saying, hey, don't be nefarious. Don't go for the wicked. It's a great big scam. Take your mind off your money or your soul will be down because that's money lust. Money lust, being nefarious, physical, wicked is the way of the world. This is the way we learn to be. Black people are especially like that because we had to be like that because we were taught to be animalistic. We could not draw upon our divinity because we were told that divinity was belong to somebody else called Israel. And we weren't Israel. We were something just called Africans, generic something, whatever. We were nothing because everybody else was serving Jesus, serving God, and everybody was ignoring you and I. And of course, this is the way it's supposed to be. Don't get me wrong. I'm not angry about this at all. I'm just being objective now that my eyes are open and I can see. So I'm seeing how all of the parts related. See how the parts of the puzzle fit together to keep us uh, uh, estranged, alienated from our God, alienated from our principal technology of consciousness, which is the Torah. The Torah is beautiful. I want to stop right here and read to you from Yeshayahu, Isaiah. The 11th chapter of Isaiah, verse 11 and 12. It's so beautiful. 
And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to, to recover the remnant of his people. And so he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the disperse of Yehuda. Unquote. Beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? You know what that means? That means that I, as grandmother said, I'm Israel. And not only what grandmother said, now when Hashem came, he got me. He took the Negro up and he said, hey, to pull this cross off you. Get this cross off you. Take that off you. Uh, now you are mine. You are Israel here. Take my Torah. huh? Go read in the book of Exodus. Go to the fourth chapter. Now go to verse 22. And that's going to tell you who you are. Because you're in the same situation as this Torah, this blueprint, which is not of history. This is not a book about history. This is a book about something that continues to transpire. So when you look into the Torah, which is the blueprint of the universe, you see yourself, you see your condition. We see ourselves here as black people that are father of humanity being relegated to the second class status of being called Negroes and not aware of our authentic identity as Israel, as in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 tells us that we are not only Israel, we're not only God's son, we are his firstborn son. And then here comes the, someone told us that someone else was his firstborn son. Of course, that's not true. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, see, verse 11, you're going to see Hashem say, I'm going to come and get you from all of these places. And I just told you, he said in Isaiah chapter 11, see, verse 11 and 12, I'm going to regather the outcast of Israel. Now when we see now Israel, so now we just, we just celebrated, back to Israel, Tisha B'Av, the holiday Tisha B'Av, we just celebrated it. Tisha B'Av is a Jewish holiday that commemorates the destruction of the Jewish temple, the temple in 586, and also the temple again, which was rebuilt, was destroyed and on 70 AD. So they have the temple being struck down uh, through an act of divine intervention uh, in 586 and also 70 AD on the 9th of Av. See, and so these temples in our history, our Hebrew Jewish history, we have the temple which King Solomon built. Uh, and I think he completed that in, in, in 930. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was destroyed and we lament this. I'm going to quote from a beautiful black rabbi in New York. His, uh, he's a rabbi at uh, St. Saint, Saint Albans, New York. He's the spiritual leader of Bet uh, Elohim. And he's also the president of the International uh, Board of Black Rabbis, Rabbi Shlomo Ben Levi, and his historic paper, The Meaning of Tisha B'Av to Us. Boy, the beautiful rabbi asked a very, very potent, a, a very cogent question. He asked if the loss of a building is more important than the loss of the Hebrew Jewish people. That means we're celebrating an event uh, in history, significant event in our history when our temple, God destroyed our temple because of our behavior. God destroyed our behavior. God destroyed uh, our temple. But before God destroyed our temple, 
A hundred years before that in 722 B.C., and you can find this in 2 Kings 17th chapter, verse 23. 2nd chapter, excuse me, 2 Kings, the 17th chapter, verse 23, it quotes. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria, as it is to this day, unquote. So in 722 B.C., before Hashem destroyed the buildings in, 10, in 586 and in 70 AD, he, he split the northern kingdom. Now, those of us who know our history, we have two kingdoms, the southern kingdom, Yehuda and Benjamin was in, but in the north, the ten tribes. And the ten tribes were invaded and sent into exile, as Second Kings 17.23 says. And so you have now the Israel being sent out into the world. And so from there, we say our, our brothers went to West Africa because, you know, Israel is in Africa. You know, you never hear Israel is in Africa. Set in the Teutonic plates of Africa. You can go read that for yourself. It's in Northeast Africa. So we went west. And of course, we know we were caught up in the the slave trade, and that's why I said many of our Hebrew brothers and sisters waking up in the diaspora, all in the Caribbean islands, in Africa, in Ghana, uh, and in Nigeria, the Igbo people know themselves to be Hebrews, and across the world, and that's what even in my odyssey from Albertville, uh, Alabama, woke up to say, oh no, why do I want to learn Hebrew? This Hebrew is calling me, I have to learn it, my heart beats with desire, I want to Say Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melakolam in Hebrew, the holy language. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe. Something that the white man didn't teach me and didn't know himself, but only God could teach me because God tells us in Zephaniah 3 9 that when I call you and resurrect you from the dead, I'm going to give you my pure language so that you can call in concert with Koel Yisrael. All of the people in Israel are so beautiful about keeping the Sabbath. When you welcome the Shekinah into your home, my wife lights the Shabbat candles and we pray. And that's in concert with the whole Jewish Hebrew people all over the world. Oh, what a beautiful experience to be resurrected from the death of being forced into a religion that was not mine. It was not applicable to me and it was not for me. And I'm so grateful that I have the privilege to speak to you in the name of the one savior. There is no savior, but Hashem. And if you think I'm lying, you go read Yeshayahu, Isaiah chapter, chapter 10. Excuse me. I think it's chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. You're going to find it. There is no Savior but Hashem. So it's a very beautiful time to, to recognize now what Tisha B'Av has meant to those of us who have been in the diaspora and were told that we were nothing and yet we knew and we were longing for Yerushalayim. We were longing to go touch the temple. We were longing for the redemption. We knew in our spirit that we could not rest in these graves, in these in these churches where we were not feeding our souls, looking at these idols and bowing down to idols and all of this foolishness because we are black and we're too old for that. We're the first thing that God made. He scooped up man and blew his breath into us. And his breath is his life and his breath is his consciousness and his consciousness is aware of his uniqueness 
and he now has resurrected us from the dead. So doing Tishabah of we 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 Jews who in the diaspora have been awakened. We thank God that we are awakened to ourselves, even though we are not fully on the land. The land is in us because we have been taken to the land of Israel and sanctified and been given mikvahs. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Isaac Luria, may his name be blessed. These holy men be blessed for their great wisdom and teaching. That's right. When you read the Zohar and you study the mystical writings of the Jewish people, you will find something that tastes sweeter than honey. Yes. Then each blow during the court of time that we Jewish people have felt is sent refuge in the world so that we continue to wandering. We just even the word Ivri, Ivri, which means Hebrew, has 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 some type of parapet peripatetic, transitory type of characteristic. When you're a Hebrew, I've been wandering all my life. I don't have no place, and I'll be wandering, and each blow and insult to us. We Israelites, we know what it means to lose our land. We know what it means to lose our culture. We know what it means to, to lose our history, but we're also discovering what it means to rediscover our language, to discover our land, to have a language. The greatest, the blessing of the day is to lay tefillin. And I'm going to talk to you about tefillin. Also, because I mentioned it, let, let them be tefillin upon your arm, uh-huh. your your arm and your strength and your, your brain, your intellect, your head, your soul, because your soul is in your intellect, in your brain. And Hashem has given we Hebrews a means of, of drawing down the, 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 the transcendental power of the universe into our neurophysiology and enlighten us. The whole thing is enlightenment. The thing is not about worshiping nobody, but to become unified with God and know that God is all and become God consciousness. So it's very important that we, we celebrate Tisha B'Av and you think about Tisha B'Av and remind us of the bitter consequences of our prolonged exile that we're still here. But the exile now is over because we know Hashem. The real exile is not a physical exile from Yerushalayim. The real exile is not to know Hashem. The real exile is to be uh, to be alienated from God, serving an idol, making a man a God. And no man is God. I don't care what good uh, what good that man does or how good he is. Because he is not God as as numbers. Numbers twenty three nineteen clearly says God is not a man. So our commemoration of Tisha B'Av, I, I recall the suffering of all of our people from ancient Egypt. Uh, my suffering doing Tisha B'Av embodies the persecution of our people in, in Europe, how they treated the people in Europe the Jewish people in 2000 years of wandering. It connects us to the slave of Egypt. Egypt, I connected with the transatlantic slave trade through Deuteronomy 28, verse 60, 68. You'll read it over there, 68, how we're going to come back the second time. And the programs of Russia, that is, that are the island that organized killings of ethnic groups of Jews in Russia that they, they used to do. They do the same thing to us here because you have to read your history and understand the, the Tulsa, Oklahoma slaughter of 1921. Go read about what how they slaughtered black people. I mean a country, I don't mean a random killer. That's what I said. Are you going to read that word? I said pro pro programs. I pronounce it like that. This is systematic killing, organized killing of ethnic groups. And they've done that to us. You read about the massacre of black people in Chicago, Illinois in 1919. 
in Wilmington, Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898. Rosewood, Florida, 1923. Springfield, Illinois, 19. So this killing that has happened to, to the Jews in, in, in Auschwitz and Treblanka and in Europe and their suffering, it, it parallels our suffering here because we are one people. The thing is, nobody, nobody wanted us to know. Everybody's surprised when I show up. Oh, you're Jewish. Well, God told me I am. God gave me Hebrew. God took me to Israel. God opened my eyes. God told me it was nobody but him. So if that makes me what you say, Jew, fine, because I'm your brother. We all are brothers, children of God. It's not that we're hung up on color because of what the Christians did to us. Anybody need to go anywhere else in the world? Nobody hung up on color. It's only America. I pray for America because what's happening in America, you know, is the will of God. All of this is just the darkness is most intense before the dawn. And so we're having a very intensified period of darkness now. It's going to increase. Let me mind you, it's going to increase. But I would encourage you, what do you do? Pray. Wait without ceasing. Stay in your temple. Where's your temple inside of you? Talk to Hashem day and night. Stay away from big crowds where people are going to do murder, mass murder, stay with your family, love your families, read the Torah, ask God, and challenge your mind. Use your intellect. Don't be lazy. That's the thing I hate about black people. Me, I, had, I incarnated as a black people, so I know them. We're just as lazy. We won't read books at all. I saw a young man the other day. I tried to tell him something. He, God sent him to me so that God could teach me that I'm not supposed to try to tell you all nothing. I'm getting finished talking to you. I'm not going to talk much longer to you because I've done what God told me to do. I don't want to talk to you. I'm just being obedient to do what I have to do to do my duty. It's my duty to tell you that there is only one God. He is the God of Israel. And if you're a black person in America, you are a child of God. You are Israel. And you have a moral and ethical obligation to stop being a fornicator, stop being cool, stop being foolish, stop being ghetto, and go to God. Quit. Quit trying to be acceptable by white people. Be acceptable by God and let white people do what they want to do, what they need to do. I understand the racism. That's why I don't threaten white people. Leave them alone. Leave their children alone. Love your own children. This whole notion of we have a dream and Martin Luther King that was just wrong. Because it's not it's inherent in the fabric of everybody to be with themselves. And so that's nothing wrong with that. But back in 1960 and 58, we was really stupid. We wanted to just be with white people by any means necessary. So we many, we forced ourselves on white people. So I apologize to white people for that. And we have to grow up and be mature and, and use our intellect and study and develop and grow and be autonomous and self-determined. But because when you're in the white people's house, you do not have the power to define. Whatever they say is going to be, and they have to the right to define for themselves. And I don't have no problem with that. My thing is that I keep being powerless. I'm over here and say, oh, I got to get out of here. See, we have to. So I don't know what Hashem is doing, but he's doing something wonderful. I have my technology of consciousness, and I just pray. I pray for the world. I pray for America. I pray for you. I pray especially for black people to wake up. And I pray the Jewish people would assume the position 
of leadership, spiritual leadership in the world that goes with their identity as the sons and daughters of Hashem to be that because I have such great respect for the religious Jews that I saw in Israel when I go there. And I, and the brotherhood that I feel. That's why I said when I went to Israel, that's when I could see, oh yeah, this thing. See, because this thing that black people have, when I see my brothers, I know my brothers. Yeah. And when I went to Israel, I saw some Moroccans and some Yemenites and some Ethiopians. They were my brothers. I saw some people that they were Jews. They was Jews. They was white. They was dark. They was all, it wasn't the color. It was the, the fact that they love Hashem. They say, Baruch Hashem. Yes. You tell me something. Yes. It's a beautiful world. So that's the world that I'm for. A world of unified children of God, which is, which is prophesied and in Zephaniah, in Zephaniah uh, uh, 8.23, uh, 10 men are going to have every nation, every tongue, because we want Hashem. Once you have a car, the prettiest car, the newest car, BMW, I don't know, what do you call those, these, these Bentleys? All you can do is take you from point A to point B. You have a house, you have a thousand rooms, but you can only be in one house. You can only look at one one area. So you begin to realize as you mature, nothing makes you happy. Every sense of security and wealth is false except health. If you have health, you have wealth. And God wants us to know his name is El Shaddai, which means is there is enough. So one of the things of being holy is be content with what Hashem has given you. And that's what the devil can't do. That's why people have Boats, cars, and they're still not happy. So what I want to tell to the Hebrew people is that stop your pursuit of material things. Stop that and pursue spirituality because you can't take any of this stuff with you. And you have, you a higher level of soul. You, there are five levels of soul Rabbi Nachman talks about. And we are much higher than the low level of soul, which is the nefesh the dogs levels and the plants and those type of low creatures evolve. We are above, we are in charge of all that. We're in charge of angels. So may Hashem bless us with the knowledge of why uh, Tisha B'Av is important. I want to reiterate something that this program is standard founded upon. That is that to articulate these unfulfilled messianic promises to show black people who have been steeped, it was tricked into believing and that you had to be a Christian because if you didn't believe, you didn't believe you was going to go to hell. Then who wants to go to hell? Nobody wants to go so everybody believes. But nobody understands what they believe or why they believe. They just believe. And so that is a form of hell itself. So that's what I mean. Hashem still got you in hell because Hashem sent us to the exile. There is no salvation for black people in America. There is no salvation with Billy Graham's teaching or anybody else on TV. Not for black people. That's for white people. Black people are the children of Israel waiting on God to come and get us so that we can keep his law and study his Torah and have the light of our consciousness illuminated so that we can become the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That's our destiny, not to be pimps. All the musicians is dying. All this music and entertainment stuff, it doesn't last. Oh, it's a waste of time. Yes, we have talent. I'm one of the most talented musicians you'll see. But I don't want that world. I'd have to talk about Hashem. Say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Why? Because it's such a great joy to have that electrifies my physiology, enlighten my mind, and separates me from the B-O-Y-S, the boys. I'm not a boy no more. I've gone into manhood. I don't see many black men. 
I haven't seen any. I saw some Jewish men. Why am I making the difference? The Jewish men were praying. What, what, what? 24 hours where I saw I saw them in spot. It was a bunch of them, too. And they were serious time and time. And I went with them and I prayed with them. And I, and I said, oh, that's what I got to go back. I got to tell my boys, man, we don't know. We don't do nothing. All you talk about is being a fornicator. And look at these old girls who look dressed inappropriately and excite your lower nature and want you to do things that ensure your spiritual demise. Those days are over. And the way you're going to come to know that is by studying what Yahshua has told you. This Dr. Yahshua Israel, not no hypothetical Yahshua talking about, I saw a black man the other day talking about telling tell me Yahshua was God. I said, Yahshua ain't God. Yahshua is just a man. There's many Jews named Yahshua. The way they spoke, you told you that it was his only name. Was God and Jesus his only name? That's just ignorance. And the slavery is over. And I challenge anybody to come to me and tell me that slavery is, has to continue. And slavery being inextricably linked up to the name of J-E-S-U-S. -S. And there was nobody by that name that was a Hebrew and certainly didn't come in Hashem's name. And all of us, his sons, we come in his name because it is not about us. It is about him. He alone is the Holy One. He created the universe. He is life. He is intelligence. He is wisdom. He is chokmah. He is bina. He is dayat. He is hesed. He is wisdom. He is knowledge. He is understanding. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, hallelujah. Unfulfilled messianic promises, the belief in the eventual coming of the Mashiach, a Messiah. Mashiach is a fundamental part of Judaism. Every Jew knows that the Mashiach is coming. But he understands what conditions are required. He understands the criteria that an individual must make. He understands it's to be called the Mashiach. He understands that the word Mashiach tells you that the Mashiach does not mean Savior. And we always think that the Mashiach means Savior. Mashiach means someone who's been anointed for the service of God. And the, the, the notion of a semi-divine divine beings. We Hebrews, we don't have no notion of a semi-divine being that is a, someone who's half man, who's half God, who's going to come, he's going to sacrifice himself and save us from the consequence of our own sin. That's very a foreign nation. That may have been nations that the, uh, that the, uh, the Gentiles needed, and they came up with the notion of someone needing a mediator or a bridge between uh, them and Hashem. And they, they chose a man, uh, Yahshua, to, to be that. But that's really not having to do with we Hebrew Israelites. We are his nation. And he says in Exodus 4.22, we are his firstborn and we are his priests. As it says in 19, the chapter of Leviticus, we are to be holy. We are his priests. So the Mashiach, this notion of we Jews waiting on a, a Mashiach, he's going to be not a, a, a half man, half God. He's going to be a great spiritual, political and military leader, descendant of King David. He's going to be a charismatic leader, inspiring others to follow his example. He's going to be a great judge who make righteous decisions. But above all, the Mashiach is going to be a human being. He's not going to be a demigod. He's not going to be a supernatural being walking on water, feeding 15,000, 5,000. No. He's going to be a great, great man. 
So the spirit of false hope now shrouds and dupes and misdirects the children of Israel. Who are the children of Israel? Black Americans. Because we are ignorant of our authentic identity. We think of ourselves as African Americans, Americans, Negroes. My brother said he was a Gentile. So anyway, so these go see. Don't know. So under these false assumptions, we've suffered 400 years, have no collective or centralized, organized spirituality. We just taught Christianity, which in my view is an idolatrous religion as because it contradicts Numbers 23, 19, which teaches that God is not a man. And it also contradicts what I read the New Testament, what Yahshua himself says in Mark 12, 29. They came to Yahshua, the man, and they said, well, what's the first commandment? He did what any good Jew, excuse me, Hebrew would do. He would say, Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. That's exactly what he said. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one. And you should love with all your heart, all your soul, all your And then he said, you need to love your neighbor too. Because how can you love God whom you don't see and, and you don't hate, you hate your neighbor? So that's what, uh, that's what that's about. So Mashiach won't become this notion of, 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 of God coming and dying on the cross for us. And we got to die uh, sin. And he died for our sins. And yet you still have to die. That don't make no sense. So it's just ridiculous. Anyway, it's time to wake up and to be the uh, the head of creation as a black man. That's me, the father of creation, to say God has given us himself. He's given us his Shabbat. He's given us his, 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 his Torah as a technology of consciousness. Mashiach will come once. He won't come twice. Only come once. The second, the notion of a second coming that you got to come and do something, try to do it twice, implies that the first time you did it, you failed. Then what we're looking back two thousand years ago. These idiots got us looking back two thousand years, saying, "Oh yeah, the Savior came, and there's peace on earth, and there's peace among men, and we all are brothers." And and that's just not true. It defies intelligence. You can't tell me that I have to look back there and look at the world and say that this is messianic and they're shooting black people down on the street and killing them and choking them and they're all incarcerated. No, no, no. That's the spirit of false hope. God has come now to wake us up. Now I'm going to point out to you some scriptures that have to be fulfilled before we can say that that the Mashiach's come. And that's what these scriptures say. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 3 to 6. That the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity. Has that happened to you, black Americans? Answer, no. Say it in unison, no. So that means that the Mashiach hasn't come, doesn't it? Yes, say it. Yes, you're right, Dr. Israel. So, and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord God has scattered you. If you are driven out to the forest part under the heavens, from the, there the Lord will gather you. And from there he will bring you. Then the Lord will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. Hallelujah. So that prophecy hasn't been filled. Zechariah 14, chapter 9. Then the Lord shall be king. The Lord shall be king over the earth in that day. Over the earth. Is the Lord king over the earth? No. You got religious king. Jesus is the king over the Christians. Someone else is the king over Buddha. So, but who said there's one king, there's one God, there's one creator, and we're living in that day? Has that day come? Answer me collectively. The answer would be no. So that means that the Messiah hasn't come. This hasn't been fulfilled, has it? No. Okay, let's go to the next chart. 
Zechariah 8, 23, which I referenced in those days. Zechariah 8, 23, 10 men shall, every language shall grab the sleeve of Yehudi saying, let us go with you. Has that happened? Well, it's happening. People are grabbing hold to the sleeves of Yehudi saying, I want to know. Tell me what you know, because I'm tired of saying I'm over here. I believe this, and yet I, there's, I, there's, there's no safety. I don't have a connection with God. I'm confused. I don't know who God is. I don't know who I am. I don't know if I'm a man. I don't know if I'm a woman. I don't know what to do. See, and that's all indicative of confusion, not being God conscious. Zephaniah then, 3, 9. Not Zechariah, Zephaniah, which I mentioned, he's happening too because I'm meeting people, black people, who are learning Hebrew. And I know a whole lot of Jews that we study it all the time. That's why I got my friend, I want to shout out to him. He's a holy, holy Jewish boy, Mr. Joseph Burnfield, a holy, holy, holy man. I love him and his wife and his children. He's a wonderful, holy man. I meet a lot of wonderful Jewish people boy, who are so cool. And I need to say that because there's always this, that there's, there's this tension. No, I see brotherhood. Like I tell you, I've been to Israel. I see brotherhood. And I mean, many, many, many black people in Israel, and they have brotherhood between Jews and blacks, and they're all one. And we are going to be one because we are all God's people. And that's why 10 men from every nation is going to grab hold to buy to the wisdom of God that the, that the Yehudi has. And Yehudi is one, one tribe of 12 tribes, one tribe called Yehuda. You can't call a tribe from man from the tribe of Dan. Yehudi, he's not from Yehudi, Yehuda. But right now, because of the hegemony factor and who's in control, everybody just gets to say, that's why that's the whole notion of Hebrew. But it keeps being divided. We need to recognize we are the children of Israel. We're God's people and all the people of the world, all the people of the world, all type of ethnic groups are part of that family, that one beautiful family. So Zephaniah says he's going to give us that Zephaniah 3, 9, that one language, that's that pure tongue, Hebrew, it's pure. And then Micah. M-I-C-H-A, Micah chapter 4, verse 1. And then now it come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills and the people shall flow to it. Many nations shall say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Yaakov, the God of Jacob. For out of Zion shall go forth the word and the Lord from Jerusalem. Hosea chapter 2, verse 19. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness, justice, loving kindness. I will betroth you in righteousness. And you shall know Hashem. Know. What does know mean? To be unified with. You shall be one with. There won't be any more questions. The limited mind is absolutely incapable of fathoming the fullness of God, but it can know it's being in sync with that intelligence that leads, guides, blesses, fulfills, arouses, elevates, purifies, transforms, enlightens. That's Isaiah sound, sound 60. Isaiah 60, 15, 18. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and the milk from the breast of the kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Yaakov. Hallelujah. You're going to know that as I know that. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind 
that the Savior of the world is Adonai Eloheinu Hashem. There is no other Savior. And the age of messianic perfection has not come, or we could have never been slaves or brought here on the slave ships. So it's time for you to give some thought to your experiences and deduce the truth that no, we don't have no Messiah. That don't mean that the people don't have a religion they call Christianity. It's just talk. Ah. Uh. Finally, a few words about the law of tzitzit, because one thing when God calls you to the rec- to the realization that you are his kings and he priests, then he sets you apart. Hakadosh means to be set apart. He sets you apart psychologically. He sets you apart physically. He sets you apart in terms of your attire. I want to talk about part three today from the Lakute Holocaust. Baba Yashua, Dr. Israel, where did you get this information? I got it from Lakute Halakot, L-I-K-U-T-E-Y, Halakot, from La Halaka, Orachayim, part one, and it's published. This book is published by Rabbi Yisrael Dov Edesser, Saba Yisrael, the one who received the Patek from heaven. <laughs> Rabbi Nachman, na na Nachman, Nachman me uman, na na Nachman, Nachman me uman, hallelujah. <laughs> My rabbi, <laughs> he's a teacher, universal rabbi. So this book coming now from the law of seed seed. And I encourage you Hebrews and Jews to wear seed seed and the practice of guarding your eyes and heart against the evil inclination. So Moses said, uh, God said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel, Rabbi Moshe, no, Rabbi, Rabbi Moshe said, uh, told us that we have to wear seed seats. You can find that in Numbers 1537. And Hashem gave this mitzvah of tzitzit to foster in the children of Israel the recall of the commandments to not to follow the desires of your heart and your eyes because your physiological, your physical mechanism, your body is, has physical impulses, urges, proclivities, needs, desires. It goes in a way sometimes that's antithetical to your spiritual interest because it's at a physical orientation. So Hashem says, now we have to guard our eyes. And in this decadent society, the women dress uh, very scampedly, you know, and show the parts, private parts that you really should look at because they will arouse a man. And then the mouth arouse a man. He's filled with the spirit of foolishness and he can't concentrate and focus. So we wear seat seat. These are the fringes, these four fringes that fall down on the corner of our garments. And Hashem told us to wear this so that we can guard our eyes. And it's therefore the will of God that his chosen people, that is Israel, don a specific righteous attire. This is a, a rabbinic garment. This says that I'm holy, that I'm guarding my eyes, that I'm not looking at the world. Don't show me. Say, oh, man, look at that girl. Oh, no, please. I don't want to look at her. I'm guarding my eyes because my, I, my heart can't desire what my eyes don't see. So this is a very high level of consciousness. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, may his name been Bres and praise. He's my holy rabbi, the universal rabbi. He, the clothes are, he says that clothes are the lowest and the outermost level of holiness. For this reason, evil forces attach themselves to a person's clothes. Uh-huh. See that thing coming down the street? Evil all attached to it, calling you to it. Get your eyes on it. Now you violate your commandments to be holy and you do things. You get yourself in a situation where you spill seed inappropriately. Now you got to pay for that, you see? And that's where we live here now in America. Everybody's dressed in a way that to evoke 
evoke some type of physical arousal. They use the word sexy. They say it ain't sexy. You know, sex is X. X will kill your butt. You dig? So sexy is a way of taking you out. But that's what we live because we live among nifesh. We live among the children, and the children just don't know, and the children don't have no consciousness of God, and the children are not God's children in the spiritual sense. They're God's children in the physical sense. They're just going to live and die. But for those of us who have melanin, we're going to live forever and ever and continue to reincarnate. So we therefore have to protect ourselves, guard our eyes, and these seat seats are a way in which God is telling us to do it. Seat seats are protection for the closing so that the force of evil do not attach ourselves to them. And they represent a general rectification. That is a correct, how you correct yourself. Because maturity means correcting yourself. See, as the corner of seat seat represents the wings of eagles as found, you can find this reference in Exodus 19, chapter four, quote, I carried you on the wings of an eagle. And that's when you don seat seat and you walk like a holy man and you guard your eyes and you guard your affection. And we recall the 300, uh, excuse me, the 613 commandments. There are 613 commandments of God that represent the, uh, the, the total body of 248 organs, 365 sinews of man that make up 613 components. The man is a reflection of the Torah. We know, and so we guard our eyes. We wrap ourselves in tzitzit. The first thing in the morning, we put on tzitzit katan. I shall never forget. I want to shout out to my mentor, Dr. Ralph Haller. I remember when he gave me tzitzit katan. He gave me tzitzit. Would you like to wear tzitzit? What are these? These are tzitzit katan that led me into thinking and writing. And so now we just wear tzitzit katan, tzitzit gadol. Tzitzit so beautiful because tzitzit elevate the soul. They elevate the soul and rectify the judgment that's due to that soul by elevating the soul to a category called beyond place. <laughs> I'm beyond place. I'm not in this world no more. <laughs> beyond place. All human actions are done in time and place, which is the sphere of influence of the force of evil. Hear me now. God who is beyond place and time and where everything is good and God has no uh, evil has no power where God is, so all things are ameliorated there. So we beyond place. So when you don seat seat, you start to work on a higher plane of consciousness. Seat seat correspond to the rebuke to refill, fulfill God's word and not to stray after the passions of your heart. The seat seat numerically represents the number 72. 72 represents chesed in terms of our Kabbalah. The tender sephira, the emanations of God, who represents kindness. So someone who's wearing tzitzit is a kind person who's practicing on being compassionate and loving and kind. And, and he's guarding his affections and he's guarding his eyes and he's focused on being kadosh because he has been called to be kadosh. So his attire is separate from the world and a woman's not showing her body parts anymore. As this wicked Babylon system shows, because all it does, it evokes the desire to fornicate because we live in the, in, fornic in, in the land of fornication, where fornication is the rule and the aim and the goal of every, everything. Everything is there to erect, <laughs> to arouse, <laughs> to arouse and erect some type of physiological response so that you can do something that you probably don't need to do. And so when you wear CC, you're always fighting against yourself because my man self, see, I'm physical and I'm spirit. My man self, hey, you know, you see, you look, and as God say, don't look. 
So I'm fighting with myself during the day to guard my eyes and guard my affections to do the right thing that Hashem has called me to do. So the seat seat constitutes the entire Torah. The seat seat therefore constitutes a rabbinical garment corresponding to a divine garment. So that's what I want you to know today that you Hebrews, you Jews, wear your seat seat. Wear seat seat. And and rectify yourself and guard your affections. I want to take the last few moments that I have on my program today to reiterate something that I always say, you know, I always want to give you something, not just to believe what I say. I have given you time and time again treasures that I have found. These are my personal treasures. I'm probably inclined to shut up and keep them to myself. One part of me wants to give them to you, but the way you act, I know you don't really want them. So I'm saying, okay, I'm going to learn to keep my business to myself. These are wonderful treasures that took me out of the niggerdom where I was born. And they took me out of the Christendom where I was acculturated and brought me to the throne of God where I now reside, touching and praising his holy name forever in concert with Koel Yisrael and praising his name without ceasing, saying all day long, all day long without ceasing, Atakadosh, Vishameka Kadosh, Akudashim, Bikol Yom, Yihaliluka, Silah, Oh, you are holy. Your name is holy and holy ones praise you every day. That's my job. So in closing, I want to give you now something very special. Let us look at Annabelle Koach. Good. Did you go look up Annabelle Koach? The miracle prayer. Do the prayer. Do the research. You have to taste the pie before you can advocate for it. Annabelle Koach Gaduladye Menkatatir Setsrua. We beg you with the strength of the greatness of your right hand and tangle the bottles of sin. Untangle the bundle of sin. Kabil Renatam Kasak Venu Renu Nora. Accept the prayer of your people, strengthen and purify us, O awesome one. Nagibor Doshe Yehudakar Kavavat Shamrim. Please, O strong one, those who foster your oneness like the people of their eye, guard them. Barakim Tarim Rakamesis Datika Tamid Gamblem. Bless them, purify them, show them mercy. May your righteousness always recompense them. Hasin Kadosh Barov Tufka Nahil Aditeka. Powerful Holy One, with your abundance of your goodness, guide your congregation. Yahid Gehi Lea Mekape Zokare Kadusha Teka. Unique, exalted one. To your people turn, those who proclaim your holiness. Shavate nu kabil ushma sazakate nu yodea ta'ulmot. Our entreaty, accept and hear our cry, O Noah of mysteries. Baruchshem kivod malhuto le'olam vayed. Bless the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever and ever. May God's name be blessed. He is holy. His letters of the Torah are holy. The potential, the spirit that you have in you, if you are one of God's children, is holy. You have the capacity to rise up to God's consciousness. You have the capacity to grow up to be, as God commanded Yehuda, to be in charge of the angels. So it is our, it is our great joy to speak in the name of the God of Israel, for I am nothing. He is everything. I am nothing. Ex-nigger raised from the niggery 
come up by his grace, given an education, enlighten my mind to the one truth. So I greet you in the name of the God of Israel with this proclamation. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Had. Shalom Aleikum, Baruch Hashem.